Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. Check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working. Judy Wairimuth, thank you so much indeed for joining me today. We were talking previously, you, you, you came out with basically this litany of wisdom you shared with me when we spoke last time. You, you're talking about overcoming barriers to excellence, empowering the goals of other people as part of that journey, being able to and knowing how to ask other people for support and advice on your journey, and even asking them to hold you accountable to keep you going. Yeah. Can you share a little bit of your journey to achieving this wisdom? Where did you get yeah. to? Where have you come from? What's going on? Yeah, so first of all, thank you very much, Paul, for inviting me. I think these are absolutely exciting conversations to have that um, sometimes we don't stop to reflect, but it's always good to 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 hear this, this thought process and, and kind of share across for different people what they've experienced. Um, I'd say um, when it comes to leadership for me, I, I look at it straight from how I grew up. And I like to, to say that I'm a product of the individuals that have worked hard to get me to where I am. I've had very influential people um, in my life, starting from my, my parents, specifically my father, who has taken a lot of time to coach and mentor me. Um, not necessarily on per se certain jobs, but more on um, ethics, aspects on leadership, aspects on um, how to influence and some of the challenges that you'd face. He would literally come to me with his uh, challenges at work and we would role play. You know, we would actually role play different situations that uh, could emerge from that. So, and I've had multiple mentors in my life who have given me an inlet into their leadership style and their experiences, and I've gotten to learn a lot. So a lot of what I've gone through has has actually come from input from different individuals, and I'm very, very thankful for that. And so, Wait, Sorry, Judy, I, I, I never do this. I have to apologize. I'm interrupting you because I need yeah. to ask you. How old were you when your dad was role-playing with you? Because I've got a young daughter as well. Yeah, yeah. How old were Ten you? Ten years old. Ten. Ten years old. Ten years old. We would play office. We would play. Uh, it For me, it just sounded like a game. But, you know, when, when I, I do retrospect a lot of these things and I do discuss with my dad about this, and he'll tell me, yeah, I was having a hard time at work. You know, I was trying to determine if I'm going to to leave my job because I didn't have a supportive manager. And so I was trying to find out different perspectives. So um, I don't think we need to look at it so much in the sense of the intricates of the job, but it's the aspects of the human relations and the interpersonal connections that are so important to learn from an early age because there are tools that you evolve with and that you build and, and finesse um, as you go on. That's fabulous. Ten years old. <laughs> Make it fun. <laughs> Make it fun. Well, it, it definitely is, can. 
Oh, that, that, that's magnificent. Sorry, I interrupted you in full flow there. It was magnificent, but I really just yeah. wanted to know. I mean, because I, I can imagine, I, you, you've inspired me there. I can imagine actually having or trying to have these conversations with my kids. And I, I'm doing all of this stuff that I do with a view to trying to help, you know, yeah. help, the, help the planet upskill and be ready for my two when eventually they come into the world of work, right? Yeah. Um, but I've never actually thought of, of, of doing something with them now. Give it a try, Paul. Give it a try. You'll be surprised how much they actually can simplify problems for you. They can put some things in very interesting context, you know. <laughs> try it. Try it. Fantastic. So yeah. you're the product of many mentors, I think, well, yes. many opportunities. Yes. Yes. I'm the product of many mentors. And what I can say, um, and from our last discussion, I I do seek out to read different aspects that kind of help me to reflect on, on my areas, and specifically the five areas that that I have seen and have tried to apply. So we talked about last time um, the idea of overemphasizing personal goals and how as a leader you need to get to a point where you are actually empowering others to achieve their goals in order for you to achieve yours. And it is not to say that you do not have you know, uh, financial aspirations, you do not have certain ambitions. Those are very clear. But if you are so shielded by, 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 or so jaded by the idea of how your personal goals need to come to life, then you cannot be able to see how actually you can bring them up by bringing other people with you or helping other people along the way in order to be able to achieve your goals. So this has been very important for me, uh, especially very early when I, when I started leading teams because I would have some teams who were not even direct reportees to me, but I needed to get a certain task or activity done. So how do you influence individuals without having direct control over them? You know, so you had to start to align interests. You had to start to really lean in and listen and be willing to solve their problems. And when you solve their problems, you literally see the transformation where you can ask for anything and the people will follow you. They will give it to you within the, the extent that they're able to. Um, and it creates as well a sense of loyalty. You start to build a network of people who are very loyal to you because they have worked with you and they can trust not necessarily the quality of your work. It's not about that, but they can trust your word. And when you do say something, you will follow through. When you do say no, you mean no. When you do say you will look into it, you will look into it. When you do say that you will get back to us by a certain time, you do get back to us by a certain time. And those small things we might not consider that important for yourself or the other person is absolutely critical. So sometimes let's not overemphasize our personal goals. Let's lean in and let's find out what does the other person need to succeed. So building trust by doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, funny enough, Paul, if you go to a bunch of middle school students and you and you ask them this, it's very obvious, you know? You're like, yeah, it's it's a very obvious thing. But it's not as practical when we actually come to applying it because we are so into our minds and into our worlds and what we want to achieve and what we must get. Um, that sometimes, yeah, 
We just don't do it. Marvelous. All right. You said five things. Number one. That's don't number one. Overemphasize your own goals. Yeah. Deal with the others. Help other people. Empower other people to, to meet their goals and build trust yeah. in the process. I love that. All right. Number yeah. two. Come on. Number two. Protecting your own image, your own public image too much. And I'm the ego, guilty. The ego. The ego is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm guilty of this. I remember my very first money, like real manager meeting that I was invited to and I was new to my, to my company. And I was very excited and I was green and had all kinds of ideas. And the organization, my organization tended to use a lot of acronyms of SPSSs, and then we we're going to ask DXBV to then do X, Y, you know? And everybody seems so sure of themselves that somehow we were all speaking the same language. And I couldn't ask a question because I felt like, I mean, everybody knows clearly I'll be the only one that doesn't know, right? Um only after the meeting to kind of do a debrief with one of my colleagues and say, okay, so what exactly are we doing? And he wasn't clear either. And then we all kind of looked foolish because we were not quite clear exactly what was to be done after, right? And it also sometimes this requires one person to us to give courage to the others to do the same. And there's nothing wrong, you know? We we think it's as bad. We we think it's really crazy, but you know what? It's actually not as bad as we think. You just kind of have to make um, sort of like muscle memory to just ask someone, okay, hold up, pause, one step back. What does that mean? Explain to me a little bit more. Why do we do it the way we do it? I don't understand. You know. Um. So that has taken a while for me to for me to deal with, and I would say part of the reason uh, I understand is. Um, as well, when you're coming in um, on a cultural perspective, at least from my part of the world, so I, I operate across Africa and Middle East, and you will find that the status of women and women of color as well might not necessarily, uh, in certain professional and technology landscape, might not necessarily be that well respected. And so when you come in from this position, you are tired of having to always explain uh, or justifying why you are in the room. And therefore, there is a certain fear that if you do ask a question, then it's, it's perhaps predisposed people to think that you don't know when you shouldn't be in the room, you see. Um, I have had leaders who have been very conscious of this, and I don't know whether they've done it because they're aware or it's because they're just so, such natural leaders, but I have had leaders in the room who then will pose and the question as if it is themselves who do not know because they do understand the environment and the context of the individuals they have. And I aspire to be a, to be a leader like that, whereby I'm so in tune to the individuals that I have in my team that I know possible areas that I can preempt. And so I've had managers who say, please explain to us that a little bit more. Or I've noticed that, Judy, you've been a bit quiet on this topic. We really want to hear what your thoughts are here. Right. So I love when leaders are able to do that. And I aspire to be a leader who can be able to actually create that forum um, of inclusivity for, for the people in the room who I know might be in a position where they cannot speak out. It's it is. It's it's the inclusive, the inclusivity side of 
diversity. We are all caught up in the demographic side of diversity, whether you're male, female, black, white, whatever. And fine, okay, that's a thing. It's the contents, it's your background, your experience, that and your knowledge, that's the thing. And bringing that out, making that, including that, or including the lack of that into the conversation. If you're yeah. if you're there, part of this team, and you don't have that knowledge that we all assume, that in itself is valuable. It's telling us that we're speaking gibberish jargon. It's not clear. It's not simple as it should be. Yeah, yeah. it takes yeah. a great deal of courage, though. Doing that, not it protecting doesn't... your ego, takes a great deal of courage. Being the one who says, "I I, I don't know what what isn't a cruel exactly, you know, whatever it is." It definitely did, does take a, a lot of courage. And um, I, I sometimes also go back to elements about how we reflect about ourselves. Um, some people will bring spirituality into it. You definitely can. Um, it's about that self-reflection and that uh, self-interrogation as well where you get to a point where you realize that you can never know everything and that you can never control everything and that it is okay. And therefore, your role as an individual is to be able to amass yourself and expose yourself and connect with individuals who can be able to give you that extra mile. So it's it's really a psychological aspect. Of course, there are social aspects to it as well, uh, as you rightly mentioned, on inclusivity and other areas that come into play. Um, but on a very personal level, it's it's getting to the point where I, I am okay without knowing everything um, and I am okay relying on others. And that has been a journey itself. It is not, it is not something that I can tell you that you understand and you get it by tomorrow i mean i depending on the different contexts i have to catch myself sometimes trying to to fall into that particular um issue so yeah it's a journey it's um in part what is it is the serenity prayer i think it's called uh god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can i can and the wisdom to know the difference to know the difference that's it yeah so there's a lot there's a lot um um i understand i have a far, i have a much better appreciation as to why spirituality becomes very very important um in someone's life i understand why it's i mean i, I think a lot of um most faiths this the core of most faiths is self-knowledge self-knowledge self-understanding because you can't you can't experience the the might of the spirit or whatever your choices without yeah. actually having a first clue of who you are and what you're all about so it's yeah. a self-reflection is the first step to the journey of exactly yeah. the third thing third is thing. yeah the third thing that i've i've had to to also reflect on was um not turning my competitors into enemies you know, mm-hmm. because, um, and, you know, competitors can be in so many different ways. They can be the, the classical competitor in terms of a corporate setting and your counterpart in another corporate. You know, it could be that, or it could be just somebody in your team who challenges you and pushes you, right? 
Um, and we tend, again, because of the self-preservation, we can tend to interpret um, a challenge as a threat and therefore miss out on the opportunity to connect and to lean in um, to the people. Um, and it's also a very two-dimensional way of looking at situations, you know, because we we want to know, is it a threat? Is it a friend? It's, it's, it's too absolute. Yet we do know that there are many nuances or there are many areas, there are many things that can fall in the gray area of how you interact with competitors or perceived competitors, I'd say. Um, and so sometimes um, I, I have taken the time whereby when I do meet someone within my, my network who, who I would say pushes me or at least seems to compete with me, um, I first look at my mindset of, can I presume they wish me well? Let's start there. I walk into a room and presume that people want me to succeed. They wish me well and they want me to succeed. So I, I want to come in with a mindset of positivity, first of all. And then I want to understand. I want to understand what is this person really saying? Because you could be completely wrong yourself. You could be completely off base. This person might actually be sharing very good insights that could be put in place, but because we are so in love with our ideas or we are so far along in a certain project, we're not able to listen. Um, it, it, uh, you know, we're in a fearful situation. We're fearing uh, losing our jobs or looking silly, you know. So this two-dimensional aspect of, of looking at competitors, I think, um, really clouds the judgment. Um, and so, yeah, positive mindset, leaning in. What is this person really saying? And then, which leads to uh, my fourth point, is involving other people in your retrospection. Because you don't want to do some of these things alone. Because sometimes you can hear what your competitor is saying, but you're not able to properly interpret it. Because for whatever reason, I don't know, because you're, you're in fear of losing your job or something. Um but you're doing this self-reflection alone. You're having this conversation alone only. And I would really guard against that. I'd say, bring people you trust into these conversations. Um, I started something interesting that I, I uh, someone recommended is I hold a dinner, I cook a nice meal, and then I, I invite some of my friends, some of my workmates, people I trust together. And the idea is I share what it is that I'm struggling with. Right. Without sharing too much, you know, if it's any personal details, but just share what am I struggling with? I have this situation at work. I'm not able to inspire people. Productivity levels have dropped. Um, I'm not able to speak to this other department. We're not in sync. Uh, it's, it's giving me a heartache and I, I just don't know how else to do. I'm being criticized in this way or that way. What do you think? And so you get this diverse feedback. Uh, from individuals who are even outside of your context who can then, you know, give you a more independent view of what of what they think can be done. So I'd say, yeah, so don't turn competitors into enemies and uh, don't walk this journey alone. I love, I love you said, bring people, you cook them a nice meal, bring people into your context for advice. There's a lovely word um, when you think about the word company. And in the company of somebody, you have companions. 
And the root of it comes from with bread, com pan. And it's people that we break bread with and share meals with. I'm definitely using that, Paul. I'm using that one for my next companion. Company. So let's eat together. I love it. It's my favorite thing to do with the people I work with and my friends. You know, I, I used to say that you didn't have to like the people you worked with. Um, but you did have to love them and you had to cherish them and take care of them and be responsible for them. Yes. But actually, the older I get, no, I want to like, I want to break bread with the people I work with. Yeah. It's too short. That's very true. And you know what? It's actually not as bad as we think. No. You know, we, there's a perception we think, oh, you know, I spent too much time with them already. I just want to get it all done. I mean, fine, yeah, you could say that, but... There could be one or two people there that you could actually get a bit closer, you know. Um, but I, I, I've seen the power of meals work. Food, food works. For interviews <laughs> as well, it's great. You want, if you're not sure about somebody, or well, you're, you are sure, but you wouldn't do it. Yeah, if you're sure about somebody, but you want to be really sure, you go for dinner with them and see how they yeah. behave. Do they yeah. have good table manners? Good? Yeah. No, no, and they're not coming. Sorry. <laughs> you don't use that knife like that. You're gone. You're gone. <laughs> The food uh, works, works, and it removes the formality, and it it uh, allows people to a bit more be a little bit more vulnerable and share a little bit. Yeah. yeah. The last piece, which I must say I am still working on, hmm. um, is waiting for permission. And this, and let me and and let me explain what I mean here. Yeah. So you know when you when you're a leader, you you have the power that you have within the position that you that you're in. Um, but even more importantly, is the influence that you can command without that position. Um, and many people tend to think that this aspect of influence is predominantly tied to a title, and tied, and therefore subsequently. The higher you move in your corporate, or the more established you become in your in your specialist area, and more recognized you are, then you think that then you have more influence. So you might have power, but not necessarily more influence. And differentiating the two has been quite difficult for me because sometimes I would uh, I would feel like. I have no authority to request and to ask for certain changes in certain ways that we, we run our business because I would feel I'm interfering too much in that person's other docket. Despite, of course, understanding as a professional that my role and what I have been hired to do is to be able to advance a certain um, a certain uh, criteria or certain KPIs that I must meet in a certain way. Um, but I realized you can get much more from the influence than the power itself. And I've seen people in my team very successful in doing that. And you do not necessarily have to have the authority, the formal authority for it. So we tend to, you know, patience is a good thing. You know, it, it's good to keep your head low and, you know, get in the grants and work hard and do that. It's, it's fantastic. Do it. But if you do it for too long, expecting someone to pat you on the shoulder, expecting for someone to recognize your effort. Sometimes it doesn't come like that. You have to influence people around you and you must. 
you must be able to get them on your side in a manner that you're not using your parent power. Because once you use power, you lose it, right? Really, if you think about it, once you use your power, once you have to use your power, you lose your power. Because then people notice and people see that you are only able to move this because you are the boss. But I want you to move this and I want you to do things not because only I'm the boss, but because you understand the vision and you see what is in it for yourself in this vision. And therefore, you will walk this journey with me no matter how difficult it gets. And this is a philosophy even outside the corporate in family. You know, um, I, I don't know about you, Paul, but in my family, it's we're a big family. It's a huge extended family. and We have all kinds of issues to deal with. What family doesn't? <laughs> We're very many. And um, and sometimes you'll find that we 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 have a, an approach where the oldest person or whoever has the, the apparent authority gets to say much. But where I have seen some of the most influential people are the ones who can be able to just speak, you know, give ideas, lead from the front, yet they're just a random guy at the side, you know, but people listen and they listen because they trust you and they trust you because you have a track record. So instead of, you know, sitting back a little bit, especially for, I'd say, young managers or people who are who are just getting into meet their career, um, I'd say uh, take take some serious time considering within your within your workplace or within your your, your structures. How can you how can you lead? How can you influence? without waiting to be given some kind of permission or authority to do it. I love that. The real power comes from that, that that you've got from other people. Other people can grant you that power. Yes, of course, you have the delegated authority. Yes, you yeah. have titles and all that. But as you said, it's, it's I think the power to affect change comes from the trust yeah. you have with people, your track record, record as you said. That's a good way of doing it. Um, it, do you think this this idea of influence as well, especially in the professional life? Do you think that's it can be a boy girl thing? Because you know, there's good there's some good reporting and statistics on job applications, and your average man will apply for a job that he's maybe like five percent qualified for, but your average woman apparently wants to be ninety five percent qualified. Yeah. So that's that's almost this. You're not. You're waiting for permission. You're waiting for the pat in the yeah. back. You're waiting for somebody to come and say, yes, you are ready for this. Yes, you should yeah. do this. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's true. It's true. And, um, and and it is a social aspect of all the rea the social realities um, that, that we face. And um, and there's more things we can do. For example, I, I do see nowadays uh, some job descriptions will write there at the bottom and say and put the statistics of the number of women and men who apply. And then it will say we particularly encourage yeah. a woman to apply for this role. Some of them will go to that extent of writing that, you know, to in case you were thinking you were not good enough, you better try. Right. I, uh, I like that. And it's not that's not. Yeah. Um, what do you call it? What's the, what's the negative thing? It's like the, it's like the positive discrimination. I don't like mm -hmm. saying, oh, we're only going to have a, a woman applying for this. And I said, well, mm -hmm. no, you want the best people applying for this. You want the best there's people. no reason that you can't yeah. say, and you might be one of the best ones. So and you might be one of go. them. 
yeah put the status there and, and say yeah. you know some people are thinking they can't do this because you, you if you think you can't do this because you don't meet 100% of of the requirements we would encourage you exactly. to still apply you know so i've seen some people do that and um you know it's 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 actually a very tough one because um you'll find as well uh when we talk about putting women in boards you know and uh, there are different studies that have been shown you know you put one woman in a board and productivity productivity drops uh you then you put a second woman in the in the same board and then productivity still doesn't improve but you have to put the third woman for you to start to see the impact of 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 that and then you see productivity and profitability actually rise and you ask yourself why i think there definitely are clear social issues that that we have um the good thing is that many organizations today are aware the problem is perhaps they're they're not aware what to do about it um i think there's a lot of trial and error that different organizations are, have put in place uh personally um what i try to do is spend a bit more time and a bit more emphasis um trying to seek out individuals who i know or at least i i know within our area might might not necessarily not be included and so i would try personally to do a bit of coaching there within my teams um i would set challenges i will say you know what we've got a special project here it's coming up and uh i'd like you to take it up you know and um and i'd like you to to take the lead like just this other this is what's available try it out i think it's it's constant reinforcement that has to be done just a bit of encouragement um and it starts from a very young age um and we consistently do this until we start to see some changes incremental incremental changes kaizen 1% better every day 1% better Oh, wonderful. What are you working on at present? So, right now so I'm part of a team called Tech for Social Impact at Microsoft and uh we are a very interesting team across the world, but I cover the Africa region and we are we basically tackle the hardest problems that we have in our region to do with social impact and how can technology be used to help this. So one of the key things that we're trying to do right now is we are doing massive massive technical skilling for um individuals within the Africa continent uh because we want to be able to build capacity but at the same time we want to build relevant skills or real context specific skills that uh people can be able to build a livelihood at on and um it it is actually a very interesting journey because you find that it's not enough to say that the content is there and it's free but you have to think a step further how do you access this you know you find that the inequalities we have is that folks don't have devices don't have laptops don't have mobile phones you know or if you have a mobile phone it's not a smartphone or if you have a smartphone you can't you can't afford the cost of data or if you can't afford the cost of data there's no connectivity in your area so you find the aspect this aspect of saying we want to build skills among people tells you that we need to take a, a couple steps closer to the people to realize the pains and the journeys that they go through and so things that you can presume 
are easy to do are actually much more systemic. So um, that's what I'm working on right now. How do we skill? Um, how do we build uh, very strong technical skills for African youth um, for the future? Uh, it's very exciting and rewarding. Um, and I think um, these are the engagements that I think as more corporates and individuals get into, um, not only have a social impact, but also have an economic impact because then you have more skilled people who can then create forms of employment and entrepreneurship that then be able to create economic activities for a wider range of individuals. So that's in short um, what's happening right now. Mm. And harnessing the innovation of uh, an entire continent. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What are you reading? What are you reading or listening to your podcasts or? Yes, uh, I'm actually reading uh, a book uh, suggested uh, by Camille. Uh, mm. Camille, your friend, um, yes. and it's called uh, "Rationality" <laughs> by Steven Pinker. Rationality: ah, Pinker, What yeah, it okay. is, why it seems cars, and why it matters. You know, we're in such an age where information is so easily available, and uh, there is so much, um, so much happening at the same time. You can never quite know what's true and what isn't. But it's kind of some form of there's a little bit of madness, I'd say. You know, because we we are pushed with so much information, it's so hard to discern what is where, and you don't know what is. You know, you don't know what where, what stands where. And I, what I particularly like about this book is because um, it starts to remind us, uses a lot of number statistics to try and show us that the world is in a better place than where we were. However, of course, there are certain, there are certain things that we have to deal with, such as climate change. But then it starts to make you understand the psychology as to why there is such inactivity or inaction from people despite knowing these issues are a problem. Um, and it makes you really question how you reason out your, your problems or how you reason out your issues where you are. Um, so I love this book. It's, I'm, st I'm still at the beginning stages, but it raises a lot of questions about why do we think the way we do? What is this dissonance in our minds? Rationality. So, I like rationality and why it matters. Good. What would you like to thank the young Judy for doing? Lots of things. The young Judy was full of such dreams and ambitions. Sometimes I wish I could go into that idealistic Judy back in the days because I had um, so much excitement about the future and the positivity on it. And it, and it really drove my confidence to know that, you know what, I'm destined for something, so for something good, something big. You know, I always had that, that perception. And of course, with life, you know, you can get a bit jaded and reality sinks in and, you know, you start to see, you know, the, the, the realness of the world and a little bit of that idealism is shed away. Um, but I would then challenge the new Judy or the older Judy to remember why uh, she was so excited and to remember why she was so idealistic to begin with. Right? Not to lose that. 
because I think uh, in general, in our quest to, to as we be as we are old and we're experienced, we we tend to be too too bogged up, you know, um, too pessimistic sometimes. And so I would challenge the the older Judy and many other Judys um, to you know go back to a, yeah, a bit idealistic. It's good, you know. Let's let's dream of something better. We can always do that. It's marvelous. <laughs> Bring the idealism back. And then lastly, as we wrap up, Judy, what are your coordinates? Where can people find you? Yes. Um, so you can definitely chat to me on LinkedIn. It's probably the best place. I have an Instagram account, but I use it mostly for shopping. So I don't think you get much <laughs> of a response from me there. Um, but you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. I don't know my LinkedIn offhand. I would need to Well, check. we'll find it and I'll put it into the notes and in the then podcast. You can put it there. But that's probably the best place to reach me. Send me a message. Um, I'd love to hear uh, what your journey is or has been as a young manager or how you are trying to navigate that aspect of your life as well. Um, and I'm happy to chat. Judy Wairimu, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Thank you so much, Paul. This is actually a lot of fun. I really enjoy myself. Thank you for the opportunity. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework is to leave your five-star review and please, any comments you have, you really help me to improve every day. And it also helps people to discover me online. You should check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working.